0: Good morning, everyone. I've got my coffee cup up here to make you think that I'm drinking coffee. It's just water. Uh, We don't have any D6 beliefs, so third through fifth grade is done for the school year, just so you all know. So third through fifth graders stuck with me till the fall. (laughs) So a story was told of a strong man at a circus sideshow who demonstrated his power before large audiences every night. Toward the end of one performance, he squeezed the juice from a lemon between his hands. He said to the onlookers, I will offer $200 to anyone who can squeeze another drop from this lemon. A thin, older lady hobbled up to the stage. She picked up the lemon, clamped it in between her two frail, bony hands. She squeezed, and out came a teaspoon of lemon juice strong man was amazed he paid the woman two hundred dollars but privately asked her what's the secret to your strength practice the woman answered i've been the treasurer of my church for 42 years (laughs) we're talking about money this morning people tend to get really uncomfortable when churches talk about money here's why has nothing to do with money has to do with our hearts How we steward the money that God has entrusted to us, which is all the money we have, which is everything we have, but how we steward that reveals the true condition of our hearts. So we start to get a little squeamish. We start to get a little uncomfortable because it's exposing our hearts. It has nothing to do with our pocketbooks. But God wants our heart, not our money. Yet, a heart that is God's will inevitably... And sacrificially give him money. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 12 this morning. So you can start turning there. We're in Mark 12, 38 to 44. And we're going to see some teachings of Jesus on money. And he has a lot of things to say about money. Uh, he actually talks more about money than he does heaven and hell combined in his teachings in the scripture. We're going to see three different groups of people in this passage today. And they represent three different ways that followers of Jesus give their money to God. They either give, one, hypocritically, two, conveniently, or three, sacrificially. And it all has to do with the focus of their heart. So let's take a look. Mark twelve I'll be in the English Standard Version for those of you on phones looking at different versions, ESV. And in his teaching, Jesus' teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums are the scribes in verses 38 to 40. And they gave, in quotes, their money hypocritically. Now, here's a scribe. A scribe, their job was to teach, interpret, and regulate the Old Testament law for the Jews. So that's, that's the first five books of the Bible. They, they, were, they were men of the Word. They were all about God. Their whole life was about God. Their whole life was about the Scripture. Yet... Jesus points out that some of these scribes, we don't know if all of them were like this, but a lot of them, their heart was focused on themselves, not God. Jesus describes it here. He says they're wearing long robes. They like to wear long robes. They didn't have to wear these long robes. It signified devotion to the law, and they're basically just saying, hey, look at me, I'm important. They liked greetings in the marketplaces. People would often call them master or father. They loved that because it's a way for them to be like, hey, I'm better than you. You better address me that way. They liked the best seats in the synagogues, the places of honor at feasts. Why? Because they were seen by everyone. Look at me. I'm a big deal. And then for a pretense, they make long prayers. So just in case, just in case people catch on to their hypocrisy, they try to cover it up by praying for a really long time to make people think they're holy and right and that their heart is right, even though their hearts were far from God. And on top of that, in verse 40, it says they devoured widows' houses. Widows, at this time, were one of the most vulnerable groups of people in society. Women at this time were second-class citizens, which wasn't right, but that's how it was in those days. And they were also pretty poor. Now, it says they devoured widows' houses. What does that mean? What were they doing? Well, they were probably either just straight-up stealing money from them, or they were swindling them into giving money to them. Hey, give money to me. I'm, you know, I'm helping you out. Understand God's word, so you better just give more and more and more and more and more to me and to the synagogue to the point that these widows would be homeless. These scribes didn't give money at all. They just took. That's why give is in quotes. They didn't give their money hypocritically. They took money hypocritically. And it says that they will receive the greater condemnation in verse 40. When Jesus says that, he's basically saying, hey, if you're going to live selfishly, do it boldly. Don't pretend to be someone who's all high and mighty following God. No, just just be who you actually are. Don't be a hypocrite. Just go all out. It would be better if you did that. But you know what's right. And you're saying, I'm, I'm all about God, but yet you're not. Quit pretending, he says. And it says that hypocrites will receive the greater condemnation. These scribes will receive the greater greater condemnation. And I am not 100% sure of what that means. But it scares me to death. Their heart focus was themselves. And so you know who should be doing the most self-examination when they read this passage in this room? It should be me. Because I fit that description of a scribe the best. And so I've been doing a lot of of heart checking and I've been praying, God, keep me from putting on a good show and then having a selfish, hypocritical heart. Because that's a dangerous thing. That's what Jesus is calling them out for. But for all of us, I want to make the application that we need to give money hypocritically. And really, we need to give everything. Not hypocritically, sorry. We don't need to give money hypocritically. We need to give it sacrificially. But for all of us, the question is, do we give our money hypocritically? Do we just give or do we just take rather than give? And this should be for all areas of life too. Really the application is to every area of our life. Are we being a hypocrite? Are we saying, I love Jesus, and God's entrusted to me everything I have, but yet our life says different? Are we saying, I love Jesus, God's entrusted to me every cent that I have, yet my bank account says the opposite? You know, one of the greatest indications that you're a hypocrite is your bank account. If you claim to follow Jesus and give nothing financially to him, you are a hypocrite. That might sound harsh, but I ran into this stat this week. This is incredible, or at least it was to me. Um, 40% of American Christians give away absolutely nothing to things of God. 40% of American Christians give nothing. So this may sound harsh, but if that stat is true, it needs to be said. So when it comes to church... When it comes to the things of God, do you just take? It's absolutely understandable. If you're here just checking things out and you're not a follower of Jesus, it's absolutely understandable for you not to be giving anything financially to God. I get that. You're welcome here. We're not asking for your money. I think it would be even a little strange if you did. I wonder why. Um, But if you're claiming, I follow Jesus... It doesn't make sense if you're not giving anything to Him. You're taking from Jesus' bride. The church. You severely misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus. See, Jesus sacrificed everything for us. And so it should produce a life of sacrifice to Him. And paradoxically, it's actually what produces the most joy. If you look a couple pages over... At Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35, some more of Jesus' is teaching. He says, In calling the crowd to him and his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Will save it. See, giving up money, giving up stuff, time, whatever God has entrusted to you, giving that stuff up actually is the secret to joy. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus can't mean, when he's talking about denying yourself, he can't mean everything except your money. He means giving your money. He means giving everything, being open-handed to God with it. And so here's a heart check to see how self-focused you are or or how God-focused you are. Look at your monetary giving to God. Luke 12, 34, last week, Joey pointed this out, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so if none of your treasure is going to God, where's your heart at? A question whether your heart is God's. So we can give our money hypocritically, or take. Or, the next group of people are the rich. And I don't want to focus on the fact that they were rich. That isn't the focus here. But they gave their money conveniently. They put in large sums of money, it says in verse 40, 41. So they gave money, so that's good. It's better than the hypocrite, scri- hypocrite scribes who gave nothing. And it looks like they gave a lot, at least from the outset. It says they put in large sums of money. So it had to have been obvious that they were putting in a lot of money. Okay, so what's, what's happening here, this, this treasury in the synagogue, uh, they had these trumpet-shaped chests, usually. And almost certainly it would have made a ton of sound when you put in money. So imagine just like taking a big old piggy bank, and, and dumping it into a metal bowl, except each coin is worth like $100. That's, that's like what's happening here. And so people are like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Look at that. So what's the problem? They're giving money. The problem is that Jesus says they contributed out of their abundance. In verse 44. They contributed out of their abundance. Or in the New Living Translation says they gave a tiny part of their surplus. They're saying, God, if I, if I have a surplus after, I brought, after I've bought everything that I want, you can have it. They're giving out of convenience. These rich people had a ton of money, but they weren't even fazed by their own giving. They looked generous. They looked sacrificial, but it was just leftovers. Here, God, here's my leftovers. And Jesus is Unimpressed. Other people were probably ooing and aahing, going, wow, look at them. They're putting in so much. Jesus isn't even faced. Their heart focus was divided. I'll give to God. I'll give to God if it doesn't cause me any hardship. But if it means not getting something I want or I need, no way. Another story is told of a man And his family driving home from church. And he was complaining about everything. He said the music was too loud. The sermon was too long. The announcements were unclear. The building was hot. The people were unfriendly. He went on and on. Complaining about virtually everything. Finally his very observant son said. Dad you've got to admit it wasn't a bad show for just a dollar. Do you give conveniently? Do you give as long as it doesn't hurt? I also ran across this stat that the average American Christian gives 2.5% of their income a year. In comparison, during the Great Depression in the 30s, Americans, not Christian Americans, Americans in general gave away 3.3% during one of the worst economic times in history in our country compared to 2.5% today. And it's because of this mindset. I'll give if I have some left over. Once I purchase everything I want, then I'll give what's left. Once I start making more, then I'll give consistently. And that never seems to happen. I'll give consistently as long as I don't feel it. And Jesus sees right through our convenient giving and divided hearts. He's not fooled by it. The last person we see is the widow. And she gives her money sacrificially in verses 42 to 44. And she puts it in two coins. Now, a denarius at that time was worth about a day's wage. Okay? This wasn't a denarius. This was called a lepta. So here's a picture of that. That's in a hand. So very, very, very small coins. They were worth about one one one-hundredth of a denarius. So one one one-hundredth of a day's wage. So... Let's imagine people worked eight hours a day at this time. They probably worked way more than that. Okay, but let's just pretend that's what they were working. One of these coins is what they made in about four minutes, is what I figured. It probably barely made a sound in that trumpet chest. Nobody probably noticed this widow putting in everything she had, except for the one who mattered most, God himself. It drew the attention of God. He's like, hey, disciples, get over here. Check this out. This is amazing. They're probably like, uh, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing's happening. Like, you're going to have to spell this out for us. So he, he does. He's like, this widow's putting in everything she has. This is incredible. A poor, second class citizen who needed this money more than anyone is giving everything to God. See, God cares about people's hearts. That's why Jesus does this. He doesn't care about the amount. He cares about sacrifice, not the amount. She gave all. Her heart was all in for God. And so it drew the gaze of God. When she received money, she asked, This is God's. How can I give his money back to him? Because her heart focus was totally on God. And so, do you give your money sacrificially? We love to throw around the term sacrifice in the church. That's, that's a good term. I mean, it's, it, it's at the core of what we believe in Christianity. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. But here's what it means on, on a real street level uh, meaning it, it means giving till it hurts. Giving till it hurts. And this has nothing to do with the amount. These widows' coins hardly contributed anything monetarily to the synagogue. Yet, it drew the gaze of God. Why? Because it was sacrificial. She was giving until it hurt. Sacrificial doesn't necessarily mean all of our money like this gal does. It could. It just means that it hurts. So let's get real practical. Let's say someone makes $40,000 a year. Giving $4,000 away could really hurt. But let's say someone makes $400,000 a year. $40,000, giving away $40,000 might not even be felt. And it could be vice versa as well. See, it has way less to do with the amount. And way more about, does it, does it hurt? That's what sacrificial means. Maybe you're like, my giving doesn't hurt. You got me. And it isn't sacrificial. But I want to. I want to be there. Where do I start? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, 10% of your income is a good starting point. And I always struggled with this. Because people would use this passage in Leviticus to back it up. Okay, so let's just check out the passage. It's on the screen for you. It's Leviticus 2730. Says every tithe, which literally means ten percent of the land, whether of the seed or of of the land or the of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now I used to give the excuse that was only for them. That was for the Israelites at that time. That doesn't apply to me. So whatever. But then I ran into this quote by Randy Alcorn in the Treasure Principle, great book, by the way. He says it seems fair to ask God. Do you really expect less of me who has your Holy Spirit within and lives in the wealthiest society in human history than you demanded of the poorest Israelite? And then it started to make sense to me. If God is asking these poor Israelites to do that, and that was his standard then, it seems like a pretty good place to start now. And it's just the floor. Not the ceiling. I think people think of it. Oh well, once I get there, I can stop. No, what well, you you could be giving ten percent, like I said earlier, and it not even hurts. So it's not. It's about your heart and it's about sacrifice. Now I understand. I understand that not all of you grew up in a Christian home like I did, with a Larry Burkett bank, with three different categories. Okay, and there were three different shaped like three different buildings. You had the you had the bank. You had the store and you had the church. And my parents would make me give 10% in the church. And then I forget what another percentage in savings and then the rest into the store. And so there was never anything in the store because I was always spending it. And savings wouldn't last long either. But but I would faithfully give to the church one. And so I understand that not all of you had that growing up and have that background like myself. And so you might be here this morning and you're like, 10% just sounds like a ton. Like, I'm used to living on this amount. And so that would, that would just destroy us. Well, why don't you just start with 2% then and work your way up? Why don't you start with 5% and work your way up? Consider what you could give up that you don't need in order to follow God wholeheartedly and sacrificially. I love C.S. Lewis's quote on this. It's up on the screen. In Mere Christianity, he says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. It should mean giving something up. Way less to do about the percentage, way more to do it. are we being sacrificial, are we giving till it hurts. One of our elders, as we talked about this this week, um, said that their kids asked them a while ago, hey, why don't we go to Disney every year? Why can't we do that, Dad? And he's like, well, we could. We actually do have the money to do that. But we are choosing to give sacrificially to church and to God. And so that's why we can't do that every year. It's incredible. It's what it looks like in real life. Maybe you're like, I already give sacrificially. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Praise God. But I would ask you, what else could God have? What else could you sacrificially give up for our blessed campaign? Because we're asking people to give above and beyond for that. We still need to keep the lights on around here. So how could we do that? Now, I'm a pastor. My wife is a stay-at-home mom. We don't have a lot of fat to trim, okay? But for the blessed campaign... I decided to give up one of my media subscriptions. And it actually has done the opposite of what I thought it would do. It's actually helped me engage more with what matters most. People. My family. I've been less distracted. Jesus said, he who loses his life will save it. I've been experiencing that. I've been experiencing more joy in my life that money could never buy. Because paradoxically, I gave up some money. See, it recalibrates our hearts when we give sacrificially. The last thing I want to say about this passage this morning is that we need to give our money to God, not to institutions. We need to give our money to God, not to institutions. So this widow was giving to the very system that stole from widows. Did you catch that? There's a reason these, these passages are back to back. Okay? We see that these scribes are, are preying on widows. And then Jesus goes, hey, look at this widow giving back to that system and institution that obviously was corrupt, right? Why did she do it? She wasn't giving to the institution. She was giving to God. And that was her mindset. Now, we need to be as wise as possible with our giving. Absolutely. We need to be as wise as we can. Proverbs has a lot to say about that. We need to give to things that really matter to God. Absolutely. And Stonebridge Church is a wise investment into what matters most to God. I mean, first, it's a church. Like I said earlier, God calls the church his bride. It's of utmost importance to him. And here at Stonebridge, we give 12% of everything that comes in and we, we hope to increase that as the years goes on. We, we take that and give that out to missions so that people who have never even heard the name of Jesus get to hear the name of Jesus and hear the gospel for the first time. So when you give to our church, that's what happens. Every cent is also used to help people know and obey Jesus and it's an investment in the next generation. But that at the end of the day... Stonebridge Church is run by humans. Every institution, every missions agency you can give to, everything that is of God that that would even be a wise investment is still run by humans that make mistakes. But guess what? It doesn't matter because we're not giving our money to humans, we're giving our money to God and that needs to be our mindset. I had a shift in my thinking a few years ago. When I was the first couple years when I was in ministry as a youth pastor, I used to think, well, I'll give my money to God, but I'll do it in other ways besides the church because it feels kind of cyclical because I'm paying my own salary. That just feels weird. So, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. But the more I read scripture and the more I talked with, with other wise people, I realized that was a totally messed up view. Why? Because I'm not giving to the church... I'm giving to God, and why would I not? Why would my bank account not reflect what my heart was all behind? Because I was all about this church, and I am all about Stonebridge Church. My heart totally aligns with what's going on, and I have no hesitation giving to that. So, why would my bank account say differently? Maybe you have a divided heart with giving to church because you've been treating it as giving to people rather than giving it to God, like I was. And I would encourage you to ask God to recalibrate your heart. So how do we do that? How do we recalibrate our heart? Well, at the end of the day, we can't. God has to fix our hearts. There's not anything I could tell you this morning that would change your heart. That is a work of the Holy Spirit that has to happen within you. But one way we can help kind of set the gaze of our hearts... Into the right place when it comes to being sacrificial with our money. Is by focusing on God's sacrificial gift to us. John 3.16. I'm sure many of you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God gave. Let's just break this down. Let's try to forget that you know this verse for a second. And look at it with fresh eyes. God gave. If anyone had a right not to give to sinners who spit in his face with their sin to a holy, perfect, pure God, it would be God. He didn't owe us anything. Okay? In fact, what he owed us was judgment. But he gave. And he gave up his very best. He gave his one and only son. And he gave till it hurt. In the most sacrificial way possible. The death of his son on a cross. And he gave us his very best. Because of that sacrificial gift. We get eternal life with him. We get to be called his sons and his daughters. He's not just giving away. I suppose I'll give a little bit. No, God gave everything. Tell it hurt for us. And that is our example when it comes to giving. We're going to do communion during the next couple worship songs in a few minutes. It's going to be available in the back during the next couple songs, and I, I want you to take it, bring it back to your seat, and just look at this cross up here. And I want you to be moved by the sacrificial heart of God. Maybe for the first time, or maybe for the millionth time, but that's my prayer that that God would move your heart as you can as you contemplate His sacrifice for you. He shed his blood for you. So as you drink that juice, remember, Jesus sacrificed himself. His blood bled for you, your sin. And his body was broken and beaten. And so the bread represents that, his broken body for you. See, God really leads the way. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have had to do this. He wouldn't have to lead the way. He's God, right? But he does. He leads the way. Instead, he an example of what it means to live a sacrificial life. And as you contemplate his sacrifice, contemplate what he's calling you to sacrifice financially. You know, it's It's unthinkable. And it's hypocritical for a heart to grasp the generous, sacrificial, gave-till-it-hurt heart of God and then not respond with sacrificial giving of money to God. Let's pray.